You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. Jesus' parable for today confuses me like it confused Linda and Elizabeth and Serena. I saw the looks on your faces. It was wonderful. (laughs) It seems like with each approach of getting the guest to the king's son's party, there is an attempt to define chosenness. A basic reading. First, the king sends out some slaves to get those that had received the first round of invitation, right? But those people are too busy. They are too busy running a shop, trying to keep kids alive at home, trying to work so they can put food on the table, and they don't show up. So the king says, go into their cities, burn them down, and kill them. Okay. Chosenness, chosenness, as Val described this week, is like a hostage situation. Come or I will destroy you. That's how chosenness is defined here. But then the king goes on to plan B. Let's invite all those whom you can find. All those with a pulse. The good ones, even the bad ones. Don't worry. We will give them a garment to wear when they arrive. Just get some butts in the pews. I may have heard that a few times as a pastor. But the chosenness is random. There is nothing special about it. It's generic. It's plain. And the goal is to cast the net wide enough, knowing that many, many will fall through the cracks. So the slaves do as they are told. They pack the place. There is standing room only. And the king comes in and sees one who is not wetting the wedding garment, and he is displeased. I mean, they were even provided a wedding garment for the guests, free of charge by the bouncer at the door. And yet, the king punishes the one. Yes, you can be invited, but to be chosen, you have to be wearing the right party clothes, perhaps fit in the godly ordained, socially constructed boxes. Now, I have spent all week trying to make sense of all this. And when I was reading this text with you all during morning prayer, we came across one simple word. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. Compared. This is unlike other parables when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. I went to the dictionary. Compare is defined as implies an aim of showing relative values or excellences by bringing out characteristic qualities, whether similar or divergent. The kingdom of heaven is like being invited to a party, being too busy, and then being destroyed by the king. The kingdom of heaven is like everyone being invited, good or bad, no matter what you have done, but if you forget to wear the right clothes or fail to fit in the box, then yeah, you will be destroyed. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to dot, dot, dot. We don't get to hear Jesus' vocal inflections when he tells this parable. 
We don't get to see his body language, perhaps his outright exaggerations, his tongue in cheek, his ability to shock us all by using our own words and logics just to say how ridiculous and half-assed we are. If we remember from the last couple of weeks, there's a couple times that the Pharisees say, in second thought, do you think that he's trying to offend us? Remember that? Yes. What if this is it? Because, to be honest, we have begun to learn of the actual kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you for persecuted. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. The good shepherd who pursues us, who goes to the ends of the earth for us. Jesus who chooses us. Jesus who chooses you. No matter what. And there is nothing not even one exaggerated case that attempts to strip us of our chosenness. The whole purpose of the wedding party in the first place is to what? Celebrate the king's son. Where the hell is he? Where is the chosen one? The reason why we show up in the first place. I wonder what he might say. For we are all chosen. Some of us will kick and scream in response. Others will feel all warm inside to finally be chosen, like healing that childhood wound of never being chosen to play dodgeball on the team with the popular kids. That's a little personal for myself. We are chosen for who we are, not in spite of who we are. You are chosen to finally behold who you are, the inner the genuine that you will take, the genuine that will take some deconstructing and reconstructing in community to find again. We are all chosen for our unique, diverse, genuine selves, but by ourselves we are incomplete. But with our chosenness within community, we are made whole. Some are chosen to be the happy-go-lucky ones that I aspire to be and curse in the same breath. Some are chosen to stay connected to reality and a small dose of nihilism so that they can call us as a community to repent, to make amends, to pay reparations, to lament. Some are chosen to create. Some are chosen to proclaim. Some are chosen to translate, to transform, to listen with God's very own heart and ear. Some are chosen to pray like hell. Some are chosen to be vulnerable. Some are chosen to play. Some are chosen at times to nourish our bodies with fine food and drink. Some are chosen to be the parent to others they never had. Some are chosen to make us laugh in the midst of our tears. You are chosen. You are chosen. You are chosen. But Jesus will remind us that there is very little glory in being the chosen one. There is no glamour or fame, more like being publicly ridiculed, to be mocked and betrayed, to be abandoned, and need to always be wary of others' intentions. Are they there for the actual you, or the you they think you should be? And yet, we have been chosen for grace for love, for mercy, for resurrection, 
even if the world tries to convince us otherwise, even if the church tries to convince us otherwise, even if our own minds try to convince us otherwise. We are handed over by God to this chosen community so that the community itself may sustain us even when we feel our chosenness not, to be washed over with water and word, to be nourished by the very body and blood of the chosen one. I chose chosenness this week because I could not bear the first part of the parable. In our world, we don't need more of this. This is for some people, but not for others. A song came to mind. There was a young man who was a Master Divinity student in seminary at Warburg Theological Seminary in Iowa. I came across his music when I was an undergrad, and he just so happened to attend the undergrad that I did many years prior. He was in Haiti on a mission trip with his wife and with his cousin when the Haitian earthquake occurred in 2010. Renee, his wife, Lark, uh, no, I'm forgetting the, the cousin's name. They were able to get out, but Ben was trapped under the rubble. Ben was a singer. He wanted this renewal within the Lutheran church about words and music that was expansive about God, that called out the chosenness in each of us. They knew that Ben had passed away when the music stopped being sung. He sung until his last breath about his chosenness and about how God had chosen him in the waters of baptism. There is a song he wrote with a friend that did some lyrics, and it's called Chosen, and we're going to listen to it right now. As I drove down to Colorado Springs this morning, as the sun was rising, the mountains proclaimed, you are chosen. As we wake up in these colder mornings, that cold breeze proclaims to you, you are chosen. With the sun setting through the stained glass windows, we are basking in God's glory and proclamation that we are chosen. After all, many are called and few are chosen. And you are chosen for this community, for this time and place, chosen for here, for now. Surrender to the one who chooses you, Jesus, who is the Christ, the chosen one. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org/giving.